Bibles, please, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. When you're married, you get to share a lot of things. And this week, my wife shared with me her cold. So <laughs> I'm going to try to preach around a cough drop, or I'll be coughing at you instead of preaching to you. <laughs> Let me look in a few moments at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. We're thinking this morning a foundation for a new beginning, connecting others with Jesus. Now, our proposed mission statement that you've already read in the bulletin several times, heard about, so that we're going to be voting on this evening that, uh, when we have our church conference, but the first part of it is connecting with Jesus. And we looked at the scripture uh, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, that goes along with that, and that was from Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus had his disciples together, and he says, who are people saying that I am? And they told him, he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When we recognize that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, then we realize that we have a need, if we're going to be connected to God, to be connected through Jesus. And so, first of all, we connect with Jesus. Then we connect with others who have found Jesus and who know Jesus. And again, we looked at a scripture last week, Matthew 22, where Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. In other words, we love God with our total being and we love our neighbor as ourself. So those of us who have connected with Jesus also connect up with Jesus' people and are a part of the church. But there's a third step to this, and that is connecting others with Jesus. And again, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. You know this as the Great Commission. You have this, would you follow in your Bibles as I read? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We turn to the Word of God. It calls us to face reality. It calls us to face reality about people, we ourselves included. We are sinners. Scriptures say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. We don't measure up to what God demands of us. Never can. Calls us to face the reality about hell. That there is going to be a punishment for sin. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. It's not just talking about death of the body. It's talking about the death of our souls. Eternal death in hell also calls us to think about the reality of God's provision. That because God made us, because God loves us, because God has a purpose for us, He made a provision so that we wouldn't have to die for our sins, but we could have eternal life. And of course, that provision is Jesus. And you know the scripture, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have everlasting life. 
What a promise. What a glorious thing that God has done for us. Now, because of the reality that we find revealed in God's Word, we're to be connecting others with Jesus. That's what our task is as individual believers and as a church. And we do this on the basis of Jesus' authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Have you ever thought about that? At that time, in that place, doesn't that seem a little strange? It's a kind of an audacious claim that he had all authority, but he didn't have any property, he didn't have any wealth, he didn't have a home. He didn't have those things. He didn't have a government office. He didn't have a palace. He didn't have a, a, a throne. He didn't have an army. He didn't have a navy. How can he say all authority has been given unto me? He didn't have any of those things we normally associate with those who have a great deal of power or who have a great deal of authority. Here he was with ragtag bunch of, what, 11 guys at this point? Out in the middle of nowhere, and he's saying, all authority has been given unto me. But what he said is backed up by Scripture. Listen to some of these Scriptures from the book of Daniel, where he's talking about, you know, the, the ancient, you know, the, the, the one that comes to God himself says, He has been given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus said this over and over. Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. Jesus said, John chapter 3, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. And in John 17, Jesus said, for you have granted him, talking about himself, authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Jesus has authority, all authority, authority over all people. And he backed this up by what he did. He taught with authority. The crowd said, never have we heard any teaching like this. He doesn't just rely on what somebody else has said. He's got the authority within himself to bring to us the truths of God. Jesus had authority over demons. He cast them out of people. He had authority over disease. He healed people. He had authority over nature. He could tell the wind to stop blowing, and it would, and the waves to quit crashing, and they would. He had that kind of authority. He went to the cross and was crucified. Not because he was overpowered by a stronger army. He went because he chose to lay his life down as a sacrifice for our sin. He said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. And he did because he was resurrected from the dead. He is the ever-living one. Jesus is the one with all authority. No authority on earth. No authority in heaven will ever supersede Jesus' authority. He is the one who has all authority. And because he has all authority, he's given us the right to connect other people with him. People can't say you can't do that because the one with most authority says that we can. 
And when we do that, we are obeying His command. This is what He told us to do. Go. Make disciples. Baptize them. He has the authority and He gave it to us. Connecting others with Jesus is of supreme importance. Remember the passage of Scripture that was read before the prayer? About the weeds and the wheat. And the weeds are gathered together and thrown into the fire. And the wheat is gathered, put in the storehouse. Without being a part of the kingdom of God, without having been born again, without having accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're a weed that's going to eventually be destroyed. But once you accept him, you're part of the crop, the crop that's going to be gathered for everlasting life. There's coming an end of the age. There's coming a time when a clear distinction will be made between those who know Jesus and those who do not. It's important that we connect others with Jesus, that they bring, we bring them to the place where they understand who he is and what he can do and what he can do for us eternally. It's the primary task we have as the church. Number one, it's more important than anything else that we do. Now we say this, but we don't carry it out very well sometimes, do we? What happens to us? It's not that we don't know what's really important. It's not that we, you know, don't have the intention to do that. But we can get so busy running the church, we can get busy doing good things for people and necessary things for people that we just forget to do the most important thing. So we need to think, what can we do to do a better job of connecting others with Jesus. Well, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus told us what we can do to do that. He said, go and make disciples. He said, we are to make disciples. You ever notice he didn't say make converts? He said we make disciples. A disciple is someone who is a learner. A disciple is someone who becomes a devoted follower of a, of a teacher or leader. So when we are told to make disciples, we mean that we bring people to the place where they're connected with Jesus, want to learn about Jesus, and are devoted to Jesus. They, they really become his follower. And then you know, a disciple is one who obeys Jesus. Listen to what the scripture says. This is in John chapter 14. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. So a disciple is one who obeys Jesus. A disciple is also one who loves Jesus. First John chapter 4, we read these words. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love God because he loved us first. And when we understand that and receive him into our lives and begin to experience that love, then, then we love him back. 
So we love Jesus, and also we produce fruit for Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And again in verse 16, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. All of these are connected. Because we love Jesus, we obey him. Because we want to obey him, we want to produce fruit for him. And one of the best ways we could produce fruit for him is letting him live through us so that we connect others with Jesus. Fruit that will last are people who, when they come to Jesus, are going to live forever. So, so again, you know, a follower of Jesus is working to connect others with Jesus so that they can live forever. And that's the fruit that will last. A true disciple endures keeps on following Jesus, even when it gets hard. A true disciple obeys, does what Jesus wants him or her to do. A true disciple loves others because Jesus loves him or her. God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So we, we love others when we get caught up in being a disciple of Jesus. And we show Christian characteristics in our lives. We are different because we don't have the same goals as the world. We don't have the same values as the world. We're, we're, we're different. We forget that sometimes. But a follower of Jesus ought to be ingenuously distinguished because we're not the same as everybody else. We're not running after the things of the world. We're running hard after Jesus and seeking to follow him. So we make a disciple. Then we baptize them. Baptism is a formal ceremony given to new believers. And we do that for several reasons. When they're baptized, they identify with Jesus. When they are baptized, they are doing the first thing that Jesus asked us to do. We're, we're beginning to obey him. So when you receive me, you know, you, then, then you're baptized to show it. We witness our allegiance to Jesus. When someone comes forward, joins the church, and is baptized, they are saying, I've become Jesus' follower. I've become his disciple. I have given my allegiance to Jesus. So they're beginning that lifelong process of witnessing to Jesus so that others might come to know him as well. There are several passages of Scripture that talk about baptism. When Simon Peter preached the first Christian sermon, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Paul in Romans chapter 6 said, Don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into, into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, different, new. Again, the scripture says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. We bear his characteristics. So we baptize them. Then we teach them to obey. Now, if you're going to obey, you're going to teach someone to obey, you've got to obey yourself. Someone wisely said, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. 
can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. So if you're going to lead someone to obey Jesus, you've got to obey him yourself. If you're going to teach someone to follow Jesus, you've got to follow him yourself. So we teach them to obey. Now that involves instruction and knowledge, but that's not the emphasis. You know, so many times we get to the place where we teach what the Bible says, but we don't really impart to people how they can do what the Bible says in their daily lives. We get the head knowledge, but we don't seem to get a way in which we can apply it in our day-to-day world, in our day-to-day lives. The emphasis is on teaching obedience. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you, said Jesus. Our goal is to teach people to obey Jesus, to take what he has said to us in his word and do it instead of just think about it, actually live it out day by day. And then Jesus closes this command with a promise. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. With you always to the very end of the age. He gives us the assurance of his promise because he knows he's sending us out into a wicked world. People don't always want to hear about Jesus. People sometimes get uncomfortable (coughs) about the things of the faith, but about even having to think about eternal life or eternal death. You know, our country has changed in my lifetime. I was much younger. Now, you could share Jesus with someone, and they might not accept it, but they appreciated it that you cared enough about them to try to share. But a lot of people today take offense. What do you mean trying to tell me what to do? Don't preach to me. You know, there are a lot of religions in the world. There are a lot of religious leaders. You, it's a private thing. Leave me alone. You get that? Not all the time, of course. But some of the time, it's a hostile world. We need to realize that Jesus goes with us. He is our resource. He didn't give us an army. He didn't give us a navy. He gave him himself. I am with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to guide you. He is with us, and his presence is enough. Back in the Old Testament, Moses said to his successor, Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. He is with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. I find it interesting that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, angel comes to Joseph before Jesus was born and said, He will be called Emmanuel which means God with us. God with us when Jesus came. Beginning at the end, before he went back to heaven, Jesus said, I am with you. From beginning to end, we need to understand God is with us. Jesus is with us. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to desert us. Surely, surely, Jesus said, I am with you always. 
You don't face a day. You don't face an hour. You don't face a challenge. You don't go through a disappointment. You don't have a great victory. You don't have sorrow. You don't have joy without Christ being there with you. I am with you. Surely I am with you. He's always there. Always there to guide us and to help us do what he's called us to do. To help us be obedient. Now, what do we need to do to make disciples and teach them? Well, we need to pray. We need to pray for lost people. We need to pray for worship services. We need to pray for pastors, for ministers of music, for children's directors, for youth directors, for missionaries, all who are trying to share the good news. We need to pray for one another that together as the body of Christ, we can be effective in connecting others with Jesus. We need to keep an atmosphere of acceptance here in our church. You know, that's one of the highlights of this church. That's one of the drawing cards of this church. You've got many, but one of them is this warm acceptance of people. You know, first time I came to this church, I felt it. You just are, you're welcoming. You make people feel at home. And we just, we need to keep that. People come to church, you know, they don't know what they're going to find. They find somebody that's warm and accepting and friendly. And, and so what do we do? We, we watch out for people who are guests. We, we speak to them when the easy thing to do is to talk to our friends, but we, we say, oh, I've got to go talk to those guests a minute. Let me make sure they're here. We've got to make sure they feel welcome. We serve as ushers. We'll, we'll serve as greeters. We'll, we'll do the things that are necessary to keep the warm feeling that we have in this church, this welcoming acceptance that's already characteristic of us and is one of the assets God can use. We also are actively involved in teaching and training others. Maybe we witness, teach a class, become a leader in the church. Well, what's it going to take? We just do what we can do. If we are a parent, we can teach our children. We can help connect them to Jesus. If we're a grandparent, we can do that with grandchildren. It's the task of all of us to help take the people who are in our sphere of influence and help connect them with Jesus. Then we can go. You know, sometimes we have to go to people. They don't always come to us. We have to go and, you know, maybe minister to them in some way, maybe witness to them in some way, give them a track, share a testimony, invite them to church. You know, we got to get out where they are so that they could see what we're like and see Christ in us and then be drawn to Him. Ultimately, we get them involved in the church, but, you know, and we have opportunities to do that in the church, but that's not where most of the people are anymore. We need to get out to them. We support changes in the life of our church and how we do things that will help us better do what Jesus wants us to do, which is to connect others with Him. And we try to find out not what I want or what does that other group want. We try to find out what does Christ want. How would he have us to go about these tasks? The church is never to degenerate into a comfortable club for the like-minded. Easy to do that. Easy to do that. We enjoy being with one another. But we're always to be directed beyond ourselves. Always to be directed outward always to be evangelizing, 
always to be discipling. Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable. Jesus never said it was going to be easy to follow him. What did he say? If any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Sometimes that leads in an easy place. Sometimes it leads in a hard place. But we go where he follows. He didn't say he called us to be comfortable. He calls us to be on mission for him, doing what he wants to do. We need to be obedient to him because he has all authority. He's the Christ. And we need to be obedient to him and seeking to connect others with him because if we don't, some of them are going to get connected. Elijah Zedino was in Tower One of the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. She said that all of a sudden she heard this loud exploding boom. She felt the building lurch to the south as if it was about to topple over and said she just stood there and she was thinking, man, I want somebody to tell me that, you know, this isn't really happening. It's just the fantasy. It's just all in my mind. And she said, but that's not what happened. One of my co-workers said, get out of the building. She was one of the ones that did. She did an interview with Time Magazine in 2005. She said, it's been four years, and I still think back to that day. And I think back to that command, and I wonder what would have happened if that coworker had not spoken. Jesus is the ultimate authority, the ultimate, number one, not surpassed authority. As believers who have experienced him and who have asked him into our lives, we go on his authority to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them to obey what he has taught. Our challenge today is to acknowledge his authority. We're either going to acknowledge his authority or we're going to go through life trying to resist it. Tell me one or the other. But think about this. If all authority belongs to him, then sooner or later you will have to deal with him. You can deal with him now and receive him as Savior, receive him as Lord, receive the life that he wants to give, or you can reject him and reject him and reject him. But there was coming an end of an age, the age when you'll have to face him as judge. And you won't have a leg to stand on unless you've accepted him as Savior. What about you today? Do you need to become Jesus' disciple? Do you need to become a follower of this one who has all authority? Will you accept this one who God sent to be your Savior, who loves you so much that he died on the cross for you? Maybe today needs to be the day when you quit playing games with yourself, when you quit trying to blot out reality, and you realize that, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. 
And I want to go to heaven when I die. And you'll come and receive Jesus as Savior. Maybe today you need to come and say, I'm Jesus' disciple. I'm Jesus' follower. And you would come today and say, Lord, help me. Help me be more effective in connecting others with Jesus. Maybe today, because of the authority of Christ and what you know in your heart He wants you to do, you'll come and move your membership to our church. What are you going to do with the one who has said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me? Our invitation hymn is 628.